This is Global Tennessee, news analysis and commentary from the Tennessee World Affairs Council in Nashville. Global Tennessee is produced in association with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The World Affairs Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit educational association, and the views expressed on Global Tennessee are those of the participants. This is Global Tennessee, the podcast of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. I'm Patrick Ryan. Thanks for listening. Today, in our roundtable, we'll be talking with Carl Dean, former mayor of Nashville, John Scanapieco, the, uh, a board member of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and Logan Monday, program and development manager at the World Affairs Council. Now, Carl Dean was the 68th mayor of Nashville, Tennessee, served from 2007 to 2015. In his two terms of office, he was focused on improving education, public safety, and economic development. Uh, He was fond of saying it's all connected. We're also going to be talking with uh, John Scanapieco, who, in addition to being on the the World Affairs Council board, is uh, chair of the global business team at the law firm of Baker Donaldson in Nashville. He also serves as the chairman of the Japan America Society of Tennessee. He's on the board of the Tennessee China Network. He's on the board of the Belmont University International Business Center. He's on the board of the International Business Council at the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. And he is the United Kingdom's honorary consul here in uh, Nashville. And we'll uh, ask him what that gig is all about. Uh, Logan Monday is the... uh, program and and development manager on our staff, and he is a returned Peace Corps volunteer, having served the United States as a uh, Peace Corps member in Macedonia uh, for several years. He's also served in Korea as a a teacher, so he's got international experience and uh, brings that uh, to bear in his uh, duties here at the World Affairs Council. So we're going to be talking about a variety of topics uh, that uh, connect Nashville to the world and the experiences of, uh, of these gentlemen in uh, making global, uh, making Nashville a global city and uh, helping uh, people in our community understand uh, what's going on in the world, focusing on education and the other programs that the World Affairs Council uh, brings. First, we're going to talk with uh, uh, Carl Dean. And uh, Carl, thanks for uh, joining us today. And uh, why don't you bring us up to date on uh, what you've been up to? Yeah, well, thanks, Pat. Um, well, as hopefully voters know, I um, I left office as mayor in um, the end of September of 2015. I served from um, 07 to 15. And when I left office, I um, went to work at Belmont and um, Boston University as um, a professor there. At Boston University, I was in their um, program on, on cities. They had a mayor in residence. I was the first one. And I spent a semester there teaching on urban affairs and then um, uh, getting involved in the Boston community, which I enjoyed immensely. I was about three to four blocks from Fenway Park. So it was, I was there in the winter um, <clears throat> semester, so, but by the end of that semester, they were playing. So it, it was, it was uh, able to see the Red Sox. And well, then I, I, taught I, I, I noted in your, your bio that you went to Columbia University. Yes. That, that would be the one not too far from Yankee Stadium. So I, I don't know how that that worked out for you. It was, well, it was fine. When I was there, um, the Red Sox um, 
actually had a, had a great moment. Uh, that was the year of the the time of the Carlton Fisk famous six game of the World Series home right. run. But the Yankees, the time I was leaving college, I got graduated in '78, were going into their prime. I mean, they were getting really, really good. Reggie Jackson and all that was happening there. Um, but when I was um, then, I came back here to Belmont and I taught at uh, Belmont mostly political science and uh, urban issues. And then um, I decided to run for governor, <clears throat> and I spent about a year and a half doing that, um, which um, ultimately was not successful, but it was, uh, wouldn't trade the experience for anything. I've, I think I'm one of the few people who could put on their resume with a straight face that I've been to every county in Tennessee. Um, and it's a beautiful state, and I've met wonderful people. I learned a lot. Um, it's uh, you know, an experience that... Uh, you know, I'll always treasure. Um, and I thought we mounted a, a, a good, vigorous campaign. And then after the election in November, I've essentially been, um, you know, getting reinvolved in some things such as this organization uh, that I was involved in before, um, and then figuring out what I want to do next and just uh, sort of getting some, some rest and catching up with grandkids. Um, during my time of basically working on the governor's race, uh, we had our first grandchild at the very beginning of it, and then the about a week and a half before the election, my son, who had the earlier grandchild, uh, he and his wife had twins. So we, we went oh, from wow. up to three. And so that's been a, a, obviously a huge part of our lives right now and something I've really enjoyed. Well, we're, we're uh, pleased that uh, you're here with us again at the Tennessee World Affairs Council as a member of our board and active in our programs and uh, the things that we do in the community. Uh, let's, uh, well, uh, one, one thing I'll, I'll uh, ask you about, we're, we're sitting here as we record, uh, we're in the middle of a, a pretty good couple of days of rain and uh, reports around uh, flooding and, and one of the uh, most significant experiences you had in your time as, as mayor was uh, the, uh, I don't know if it's called the Great Flood, but it was a significant flood caused uh, tremendous damage to the area, and, and uh, you've got some other uh, high points uh, that uh, we'll talk about, the Music City Center and, and others. But on, on this rainy day, any, any uh, uh, reflections on, on what it's like to be the mayor as you see the water rising and, and uh, lots of challenges ahead? Well, it certainly brings back memories. And, you know, I think um, hopefully with the forecast here, it is Friday that um, – you know, things will clear up on Sunday and the sun will come out and and the river will crest far below what it did in, in 2010 and it won't be anything like that. But it's a whole different situation. And it just, it, you know, in, in 2010, we had a situation where we got an unexpected amount of rain. Uh, we were told that, you know, we were going to get, you know, several inches. Uh, but we ended up with, um, you know, somewhere around 13 or 14 inches of rain. I heard it was the first and third largest rainfall amounts in history in two days. Yeah. And, th and they, those two were back to back. Right. And it, it was, um, you know, that came as all at once. You know, here it's a different experience. We've just had a ton of rain this year and we've had a lot this month. And, you know, we're getting heavy rainfalls, but, of course, the ground is saturated, the river is high, the creeks and streams are all at a high level, and it just builds up. And so when you go from every other day or every two days going through a period of three days of rain, um, it's, it's going to build up. And it just shows you the many challenges the city faces in, in dealing with that issue. 
Um, but, you know, I always think of the flood of 2010. When I think about it, it's about the great people in Nashville who responded so well, who helped each other, who volunteered. You know, we had 20,000 people out on the streets uh, once the rain stopped helping to clean up the city. And we got back up on our feet, I think, faster than almost any other place could have. And I think that's a real testament to the people in Nashville. Um, I do not want to go through it again. And, but, I, but I do think it's interesting, you know, when the Nashville flood in 2010, you know, I've heard 500-year rain, rain event, 1,000-year rain event. You know, we had another uh, major 500-year rain event in Madison a couple of years later. Now we're having this more extended period of uh, participate, precipitation. Um, you know, this is, this is going to happen again. Um, and we just need to be aware of that and plan for it. Well, like you say, uh, hopefully when the sun comes out and by the time our listeners uh, catch this podcast, uh, we don't have a similar uh, uh, aftermath of, of problems and, and flooding in areas that uh, certainly don't need it. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit, and we're going to go around the table here, but uh, I'd like to get uh, your thoughts. Uh, when you came to the to be a, a board member on the World Affairs Council, you and I had a conversation about uh, your deep interest in education in the community. And one of the important uh, programs that we do at the World Affairs Council is education outreach, especially with young people. But uh, give us a, uh, a summary of how you view uh, global education and international affairs. And one of the things that I mentioned, uh, I think, when we were talking about you joining our board was um, – a survey done by the National Geographic Society and the Council on Foreign Relations, which found that uh, 29% of Americans 18 to 24 years old could pass a basic test on international affairs. And that uh, that doesn't surprise anybody. People often joke that Americans really don't know much about the world, and a lot of them really don't care. Um, but uh, what we try to do at the World Affairs Council is, is provide the programs and resources to, to reverse that, that trend. So if you could share with us what, uh, what your philosophy is on uh, education in our community and especially the, uh, the global literacy component. Yeah, I think, well, education to me is the number one issue for our city, for our state. And, you know, a component of education, is, and, and it really results in better citizenship, and it results in better business, and it results in better human relations, is to having people understand the world, understand the complexity of the world, and understand uh, what world affairs, how that influences not only our economy, but our, our, our politics, and for people just to be informed. And, you know, clearly I see um, education in terms of international affairs, international history um, as being a, a, a great part of what makes somebody an informed citizen and a participant in our democracy. Um, you know, as mayor, I always believe that there were several things that made international affairs really relevant for the city of Nashville. I mean, obviously, we are a major hub of economic activity. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, during my time as mayor, uh, early on is when the Japanese opened their consulate office here. That was a major step forward for our city, I felt. And that was a good, a great thing. We saw the expansion over the period of the last 30 to 40 years, uh, going back to Governor Alexander's time in office, with increased Japanese investment in Middle Tennessee, uh, which has been a huge thing. And we have increased investment from a variety of countries, whether it's South Korea or Great Britain or Canada in the United States. They're major trading partners. And it's a, a key part of our economy. We can't underestimate that, and we can't underestimate the importance of having citizens 
who are in a position or young people when they come out of high school to be in a position to get a degree, uh, a college degree where they can be involved in international business and make Nashville a stronger place to, to live and to see Nashville thrive. So that's an important consideration. Having Bridgestone have their headquarters here is a big, big deal. Um, and, you know, that's why, you know, I was our administration working with Governor Haslam was so keen on keeping them in Nashville and resulting in their building downtown and them having their headquarters for North and South America here in Nashville, Tennessee. Right. That's important. I also think it's important to realize that um, our city has become more and more diverse. Um, you know, I think what one out of eight people in Nashville are not um, native born. Um, I think our diversity and our increased diversity has been a good thing for our city. Our city is a lot more interesting place. Well, uh, didn't the Office of uh, New Americans open? Un- right. Year? So we did a lot with that. We did the Office of New Americans. We did a program for basically on civic involvement and leadership. Um, we um, fought against uh, and were successful along with a great group of business, labor, ACLU, churches, everybody to beat English only here. It was a major moment in Nashville history. Um, you know, I think diversity is a good thing. I think um, being a city that attracts immigrants, that attracts people to the city because of the quality of life, because of the opportunities here, that means you're living in a healthy place. Um, you know, the last thing you want is people to say, oh, I don't go to Nashville. There's nothing going on there. You, sure. they're, say, they're saying come to Nashville because this is where you can live the American dream. And I, I've said this a million times, you know, it's like Southwest Airlines. Southwest Airlines says uh, you're free to move about the country. And um, when you think about what an immigrant is, when somebody comes to our country and they can live in any of the 50 states, they're free to move about the country. But when they pick Nashville as a place to put down their roots, to raise their family, to live their dreams, to create their life, and they pick our city, there is no bigger compliment anybody could ever it, give us. It definitely says something. Yeah. Uh, John, uh, let's let's talk about uh, what uh, Carl mentioned in, in terms of the economic development, the foreign impact of places like Bridgestone and, uh, and Nissan, the, the headquarters that, that come to Nashville. You and I talked with the Japanese ambassador, I think it was way back in episode 14 uh, when, uh, when he was with us, and, and uh, you made uh, some points about uh, the importance of initially Nissan coming, the automotive cluster, as you referred to, but... Uh, all the related businesses. Let's let's update the conversation with with our listeners, and you and I are going to talk in more detail in our next episode about uh, trade. But uh, share with us your your views on what's going on in Nashville in terms of uh, the foreign impact. Well, I mean, if you look at the growth in the city, I've moved here in 1990, um, and I remember when I first moved here, I was considered, uh, you know. A foreigner because I'm, you know, last name of Scanapieco and I'm originally from Massachusetts. So, you know, it, and now I, I, then I hosted a dinner probably fast forward 20 years later and I had six consuls general, uh, here in town. And I think people began to realize the important role that Nashville played in what I call the new American South. And, and if you look at the American South and it's, its, its impact on the U.S. economy it is really one of the drivers now of the U.S. economy. And Nashville sits kind of on the top of that. And I think if you look at the, um, the highways and the airport and the access that you get from Nashville now, global companies see 
how vital it is to their business as they want to expand here into North America or even South America. They look at the talented workforce. You know, as the mayor talked about, you know, having an educated workforce, both at coming out of high school and also with all the college graduates. This is the place to be. And now you look at the growth that we see every year. Uh, about 20% of new jobs that are created here in the Nashville area are as a result of foreign direct investment. So it plays a real critical role, but for those companies to come, they have to want to, it all goes back to, again, Mayor, as you said, you have to be welcoming. They have to want to come because they believe this is a place that will want them to come and that will welcome them and they'll be able to fit in. Um, and I think that that's so important. And I, and I look back at the mayors that we have had, and they've done such a wonderful job of really promoting that welcoming uh, atmosphere uh, and making these companies want to come. And not only come, but then once they get here, expand and add more and more jobs, uh, you know, to the um, to the community. Uh, Carl, if you could uh, put a, uh, uh, a footnote on onto that portion of the conversation about economic development, you know, Nashville's uh, economic drivers are healthcare, music and entertainment, uh, advanced manufacturing, and uh, tourism and hospitality. What if you were talking with somebody uh, who's looking at Nashville as 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 the place they want to come, not necessarily new Americans, but businesses that were looking to locate here. What uh, and you know we have ambassadors and others who come to speak at our programs, and they often ask me, well, why why is Nashville the it city? What what's exploding here? And so in terms of uh, foreign interest, and not just foreign direct investment, but why international business people and uh, corporations would be interested in in Nashville. Well, there's several reasons. I mean, the, one of the ones that uh, shouldn't that should be stated up front is I think um, Tennessee and Nashville are very attractive in terms of the cost of living. Our our taxes are relatively low. It's a it's a very friendly business climate, which I think is a good thing. And I um, certainly would emphasize that moving forward that we should not lose that. That is something that's been a, a real asset, and we got to maintain that. I think we're an interesting place. I think it's the mixture of having um, all the great universities and colleges here, having the music industry, having the entrepreneurial spirit that's involved in healthcare, um, having a lot of really creative people here that creates a special atmosphere. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in there was this philosophy about you want the creative class, you want people who are going to be entrepreneurs, who are going to bring their talent with them. And when you look at Nashville, whether it's healthcare, whether it's universities, or whether it's music, where you know, every day there are a hundred people moving here, and a lot of them are people whose talent is their ability to play an instrument, their capital is their ability to create something, and that's what mayors die for is to have that stuff. And so there's an energy in the city that's different. There, and I think the music and the universities add to a sense of creativity and openness. And I think the increased diversity is a big part of that. I don't think it's any coincidence that Nashville's rise economically, Nashville's rise as a hot city, occurred at the same time the city was becoming more diverse. They're just related. And, and I think when somebody comes here from L.A., they come here from New York. And, I, you know, I did this as mayor frequently working economic development deals. They're immediately struck by, you know, this is a really interesting, diverse city. And the cost of living is a lot less. Taxes are a lot less. And why aren't we doing business here? And why don't we move here? And people figure it out. I mean, you know, one of the easiest things to do, I think, and one of the things I enjoy doing the most is selling Tennessee and selling Nashville because it, it, they sell themselves. 
Right. Well, one of the things that uh, gets our, our word out there is is the sister cities of Nashville, and I know you were uh, very involved in, in sister cities. Logan, uh, you and I share a, an office space provided by Belmont University. We have a strong partnership with Belmont, but we share a space, uh, a building with sister cities of Nashville, and I know you have a good relationship. Why, why don't you talk about some of the things that uh, – that we do, uh, the World Affairs Council and, and Sister Cities collaborates on? Yeah, Sister Cities and, uh, and the Tennessee World Affairs Councils, we work pretty hard uh, together and separately to bring uh, Tennessee to the world and the world to Tennessee. Uh, one of the ways that we do that is through education outreach and also and having programs where we bring folks from, uh, from different areas um, uh, to here to Nashville to experience this economic boom that we're having. Um, Mayor, during your time, you focused pretty hard uh, once you were outside of the, the local domestic and economic part to, to partner with some cities abroad. Uh, some of those are Kamakura in Japan, Mendoza in Argentina. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that and, and how you, those cities came about uh, into the radar for you to, to connect with? Yeah, I was a supporter before I was mayor of Sister Cities, and certainly as mayor, it's, I think it's one of the great pleasures of having that job is to work with that organization to strengthen relationships with cities around the world and to create new ones. Um, I had the honor of, of being involved in um, finalizing agreements with uh, Kamakura, uh, Mendoza in Argentina, um, uh, Tamworth in Australia, and, and, um, and other cities and visited them. That it's just fascinating. And um, I've been to all of the sister cities except for the one in China. Um, and they're all unique and they're all special and I would recommend them to anyone to go on one of these sister city trips to get us to, to really get to know a city or to get a, get to know a culture. The organization does a tremendous job of getting you um, sort of with regular people from those locations, showing you all the major sites obviously, but also talking about business, talking about education, talking about culture. And they're all unique. You know, the city of Cannes in France is one of our oldest sister cities. That has largely been, um, you know, uh, I guess pushed by lawyers. It's a lot of lawyers going back and forth between France and the United States. Maybe everybody wishes they, you know, maybe stops. Everybody would just stop sending lawyers <laughs> to either country. <laughs> but um, but lawyers are fun. Well, I, well Logan, being, we're uh, it's you and I against two of the, the best ones here. So I, I don't know. But you know, then in in uh, Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland, which is a fantastic city to visit, the, the Titanic started there, and they, as they like to say, it left there in good shape. Um, <laughs> but it was um, that relationship has been. Number one, you give a ton of credit to Ian Brick, who was a citizen of both Belfast and of Nashville, who loved his home in Belfast, but loved his new city of Nashville, and he really made it work. But that's done by music. It's done by uh, the, the ties between country music to the, the Scotch-Irish music, and there's a bunch of musicians, songwriters go back and forth there. Um, and so they're all unique, and it is really a program that I would encourage people to get involved in. It's a, it's a wonderful experience to, to, to make those trips. Well, all, all these relationships, the people-to-people the, the -people exchanges and, and the bridge building, uh, they're invaluable uh, for people to understand what's happening in other places around the world. And, and also, it's important for Americans just to be connected to places like uh, Belfast and, and Mendoza and, and even the lawyers to, uh, to France. Uh, John, you're you're involved in the Japan America Society, which is a key player here in Nashville in bringing us the Cherry Blossom Festival, another 
people to people bridge building uh, exercise. And I know the mayor um, has has some strong feelings about the importance of, of that event. Why don't you describe for us uh, that key component of the Japan American relationship? Yeah, so the Japan American Society uh, sponsors the Cherry Blossom Festival. I think most people are familiar with the cherry blossoms in Washington, D.C. Um, we had a goal of planting here um, a thousand cherry trees over 10 years, and we completed that last year. Um, and I've been really amazed at the growth of the festival. You know, it's one of those things in Nashville I thought, well, maybe we'll get a couple hundred people to come. Uh, we did 45,000. Uh, wow. Um, at the Well, and we would have done more last year, but it was, <laughs> go figure, it was raining. And I mean it was raining. So, But it's a wonderful event where they have Japanese food, Japanese uh, products. Um, and this is downtown on the plaza? Downtown, right, on, uh, right in front of the um, uh, city hall. Yeah, so it's really, it's really it's a nice event. It's a good way to get exposed to Japanese culture, Japanese food, the people, um, and it's very well supported by our Japanese invested businesses that are here. Um, so I would strongly recommend uh, folks come out. This I, I cannot remember the exact date, but I believe it's April. I want to say it's like April nineteenth. Yeah, think. it's always a day where it's a little questionable with the weather. <laughs> right. But um, <laughs> but you know that the goal it started. Um, when I was mayor, um, when the consul general moved here, and it has grown just incredibly. And one of the things I, I would say about this relationship with Japan, with the consul general's office being here, you know, they just don't sit in the office and just talk to business people. They have been very, very active in the community. They reach out. They 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 get the, the office gets involved in civic affairs, gets involved in in, in this particular event, and and working on planting trees. Uh, they've been just really great people to have here in Nashville. And, just, you know, I'd love to see us attract more consul general offices here. Sure. Yeah, I, I think there's there's uh, probably more interest. In, and, John, you, you see a lot of them through your business. But we recently had an event where six consul generals based in Atlanta were here to talk about uh, EU issues. And uh, we, we had an opportunity in the Global Tennessee podcast uh, to talk with them. And, and it was really a, a great opportunity to catch up on U.S bilateral relations with each of those countries and also what's uh, what's going on in the on the eu uh, we're going to take a, a short break here and we'll be back to talk more in our roundtable with uh, former mayor carl dean john scanapieco and logan monday this is the global tennessee podcast from the tennessee world affairs council you're listening to global tennessee from the world affairs council we invite you to share your thoughts with us in email info at tnwac.org. You can subscribe to the World Affairs Council newsletter on the website, tnwac.org. And you can like us on Facebook at Tennessee WAC, as well as follow us on Twitter at tnwac. Don't forget to tell your friends about Global Tennessee and the World Affairs Council. This podcast and other educational programs from the World Affairs Council are supported by you and our sponsors. Are you interested in supporting global affairs awareness in your community? Visit tnwac.org for more information. Welcome back to Global Tennessee. I'm Pat Ryan with the Tennessee World Affairs Council. We're talking with former Mayor Carl Dean, John Scanapieco, and Logan Monday. Uh, this is our roundtable where we take on lots of topics of interest to uh, people in Nashville and Tennessee on uh, global issues and uh, things close to home. 
one one of the uh, questions we have for you, John Scanapieco, is this honorary consul to the United Kingdom. Tell us how that works and, and how a guy with a name like Scanapieco is, is in that spot. Well, you know, in my role as chairman of the uh, global business team at my law firm, uh, we try to engage as often as we can with um, different governments from the different countries. And also going back to one of the previous topics we discussed about attracting uh, non-U.S. companies to come to Nashville to invest, we believe it's important to have that level of engagement so that we can then support that investment. So um, I have always supported the different uh, consul generals, whether they be in, in, in Atlanta or in um, other, you know, other locations around the southern United States. And so I, in helping put up a pop-up consulate for the United Kingdom and doing some other events for them and with them, they then asked me if I would serve in this role. And what this role really, it used to be both a consular uh, role, meaning I would assist UK citizens if maybe they lost their passport, were arrested, or just needed some assistance while in Tennessee. And then also, I represented the UK government in bilateral trade and investment. So I promoted uh, trade and investment to the United Kingdom, and at the same time would work with um, companies coming from the United Kingdom uh, this way to make sure that they had or could connect to the right resources to make sure they were successful. So when they reorganized that, the consular, they, they uh, consolidated all the consular role and brought it to the consulate in Atlanta. So really what I do mostly is promote uh, trade and investment, um, both you know here in Tennessee as well as uh, in the United Kingdom, although I must field at least five to six phone calls every day about visas and passports and all the rest. And I try to help them navigate um, the uh, U.K. website. You, know, to you haven't had to there. visit any prisons yet, have you? Well, actually, um, <laughs> no, but there are, uh, but there are uh, several uh, U.K. citizens who are in prison here, and um, I was asked to get involved with the uh, death penalty. Um, as you you may know, the oh, wow. uh, the UK government is strongly opposed sure. to the death penalty yeah, the, uh, globally. And so, um, when it became known that Tennessee was going to execute um, some inmates this past year, uh, they asked me to get involved and see if I could arrange for some meetings um, so that issue could be discussed. Um, and because it, it was much more, I have to be honest, it was as, even as a lawyer, it was much more complicated than I really understood just as a citizen. But so I'll, I'll get involved in things like that. We're also uh, the England women's uh, football team, so the soccer team will be here and we will uh, I'll help facilitate that uh, they'll be playing in a soccer tournament and we'll have some notes in the podcast uh, listing on SoundCloud to uh, to give people information about those events so those are the kinds of the things that I'll do um, I also am helping uh, organize a delegation that is coming to Nashville and they'll also be going to Memphis for the Association of British uh, Health Tech Industries it's one of the leading uh, British um, healthcare trade associations mm-hmm. and they're focused on as the name suggests uh, technology. So they are contemplating uh, establishing an innovation hub here in the Nashville community. Um, they have one right now in Austin, and it has been a just a great partnership from what I've been told. Uh, they partnered with the University of Texas, uh, with Dell, and obviously with the city, 
and uh, companies that are looking to enter the U.S. market have been, uh, you know, locating there, and they're hoping to do the same here, taking advantage of the, as you already mentioned, the the wonderful healthcare cluster that we have right. here in Nashville. Well, we certainly have a, a vigorous relationship with the United Kingdom. We just opened last year the uh, flight route from Heathrow to uh, Nashville International. Uh, British Air, and I, were you on the uh, inaugural f- flight of that? I actually had some meetings right before, so okay. I flew. I, I I had to go the day before, but I flew uh, home on that flight, and I have to say. It makes uh, travel to Europe so much uh, easier. And we're already seeing, as a result of that flight, by the way, an increase in um, both business and tourism. So, I mean, when I say business, meaning business investment coming this way, and then also uh, tourism, so much so that they're expanding now to seven days for the flights and I think a larger plane. Well, there's a reason that they build uh, industrial complexes next to the interstate. It's, It's where you can get transportation easily. And if you don't have to go to JFK or uh, Detroit or somewhere else, that's all the better. Right. I've timed it. So when the when the wheels hit the runway until I actually put my suitcase in the back of my wife's minivan, it was 30 minutes. And that's clearing immigration. Custom- I mean, think about it. You can't even, like, walk from your plane to uh, immigration in some of these larger airports in 30 minutes. No, so that's- it's, so it's, it's really convenient. And, again, it opens up the whole South to um, non-U.S. Uh, investment. So whether you're German, Italian, I mean, because it's a one one hop and then you're here. So we're already seeing now this increased interest in the community because of that flight. So I'm hopeful that we will get even more uh, flights maybe to Asia. Uh, I think it will really help uh, open up uh, the investment opportunities you know, here. Well, there's a lot going on at uh, BNA. Uh, if anybody's out, uh, been out to the airport lately, uh, construction everywhere, and I think uh, BNAVision.com. I might we'll we'll have the link on uh, on the podcast notes. But there's a lot happening at Nashville International Airport to uh, to keep up with the growth in in Nashville. Uh, let's uh, let's talk briefly about uh, we we touched on uh, education and the World Affairs Council. Uh, Logan, why don't you uh, help our listeners understand some of the education outreach? We have a program called WorldQuest. What's what's that all about? Yeah, and Pat, Academic WorldQuest is the flagship uh, education program for the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Here, we uh, host uh, high school students to compete in a global affairs quiz competition, and they're from all over Tennessee. And they come in uh, every February, and there's about. 18 to 22 teams per year that seem to come together and, and compete. And then we take the winner um, from that competition. And in uh, April, we have them uh, compete in the national competition with the World Affairs Councils of America in Washington, D.C. And we also, while they're competing there, we have them meet with uh, State Department officials, Peace Corps, United States Institute of Peace. Um, and then we take them to a couple of embassies and have them meet their congressional representatives. It's a great, a great thing for them and for them to be able to, to meet with with those who have turned a similar interest and passion of global affairs and, and made it into a career. And and we've had uh, a great success attracting teams from around the state. We've even had a couple of teams from out of the state that didn't have World Affairs Councils in, in their areas uh, provide uh, teams for our competition. Uh, so that's one of uh, the education opportunities that uh, that we bring to uh, to our community. And and Carl, you, you helped us kick off a, a World Quest competition a couple of years ago, and you talked a little bit about global education, but uh, how, how do you see uh, these these kinds of programs helping uh, the school systems and and others uh, uh, bring education on international affairs uh, to the community? 
Well, I think anything you can do to make it more real. So if there are people in the community who work in jobs like John does, where you have, you do international things and you can talk about that or whether you have access to former ambassadors or current ambassadors or people who just work, show that there's that there are opportunities in the international uh, economy is a positive thing. I also kind of go back to this idea that um, it's not original to me. Many, many other people have said it. But if I could give kids in high school any advice, my advice would be to read the newspaper. Um, you know, read a good one. I mean, you could uh, read a, read the international news. And if you do that every day or you do it five times a week, you're going to find that you're going to get, you're going to know more and more, and it builds on itself. And when it comes time to go to college, when it comes time to get a job, you're going to be in a much better position. And you want our, peop- our young people to understand what's going on in the world, and you want them to understand and know where other countries are located and know their geography. And I, I think reading a good newspaper every day for a young person, uh, whether it's dom- in domestic matters or international matters, it should, you should do both, um, is just a positive thing. Learning is a good thing, and it will it'll pay off in the long term for those kids. I think we would all uh, echo that. I, I uh can make a couple of suggestions. I, I think The Economist is uh, is a fine resource uh, online uh, or for those who can pay for the subscription. It's not too expensive, but it's uh, probably the best news magazine in the world. And then there are the mainstream, uh, often uh, beat-up uh, newspapers like the New York Times and the Washington Post. Uh, but uh, many- Another thing you, you, I would add maybe that I wouldn't have said 10 years ago is – just don't read the papers that agree with you. Don't watch the news that just agrees with sure, you. Sure, Kind of expose well, your stuff to self uh, That's right. I mean, people tease me because I get to work so early in the morning, and it's so I can read. I mean, I spend probably the first hour and a half of every morning reading anything from Chinese, uh, I say China, English language media, BBC, Fox, CNN, New York Times to get that perspective because, as you say, I mean, it, it's really good to see the different perspectives on maybe a singular event because I think you learn so much more also about how somebody that's not like you sees it through their lens and maybe you can help understand a little better and then so when I go negotiate say a contract I have a better sense of maybe where where people are coming from and why this matters and why it's relevant and it's not just you say that echo chamber of just what I you know what I think. Well, there's several websites out there that help consolidate that information and put it together. One of them that I read is called allsides.com. And any domestic issue that's going on, it takes all the different newspapers and it just goes from the left to the right and in the center. And it just has the exact same issue, but it has which uh, ones they're going for, uh, which uh, position they're coming from, why they're bringing it, and then they just allow you to read it so you can see them all put on one page and what you think about it so that you don't have to go to each different site and search it. Well, I'll, I'll make a pitch for the Tennessee World Affairs Council. In addition to reading a newspaper, you can come to our events. We have some terrific programs. We just hosted Joseph Serencioni, who's the president of Plowshares, the uh, preeminent society uh, dealing with global nuclear weapon proliferation. And everybody thinks that uh, if they've seen Dr. Strangelove, that's all they need to know about nuclear weapons. But we're looking at uh, an arms race uh, between the United States and Russia, we're looking at uh, the spread of uh, nuclear weapons in places like North Korea, uh, the possibility that Iran might uh, 
take the cancellation of the JCPOA as a signal to get their program started. Uh, but we have many other speakers and uh, encourage our listeners to take a look at uh, our website, tnwac.org. There's a calendar there with all the programs uh, that we have coming up. Uh, so that's uh, that's another good source. But Carl, you, you're uh, on target as far as staying uh, aware of what's going on by picking up a newspaper or or clicking on your favorite uh, website right. online. If I can just add one last thing, is um, the World Fair Council um, depends upon membership, depends upon people joining and paying a membership fee that is run used to run the entire organization. And if you think in Nashville, just if you think about the future of the city. If we had the best World Affairs Council in the country, if we had one of the most active, if we had one of the largest, that'd be a huge positive for our city, a huge impact. And so I would just encourage listeners, um, if you haven't been involved with the the council, to get involved. If you're inclined to contribute, contribute. Uh, We we could use the the funds, and it would be used to advance the city and to advance education. Um, and um, it would be money well spent. But uh, get involved, take part in the programming. Well, I, I think uh, that's a good good way to end our podcast today. That's uh, an important note, and we, we certainly uh, are happy to talk with uh, corporate sponsors, uh, but uh, clearly members of the community who want to become members of the World Affairs Council are welcome, and uh, they would be invited to members' benefits activities like Global Eats, uh, which, uh, Logan, the, yeah. the last one, did how'd that go? That was great. We were at uh, Soul Garden. We had about 16, 17 members that were all there together, and uh, several of them had either spent time in South Korea or uh, had just returned from, from there. I myself lived there, so it brought back a lot of uh, great memories of uh, teaching little young students uh, some English and also en- enjoying the great Korean cuisine. It was uh, it was a good night out, and, and what we do in these global eats, and again, this is a member's benefit. So if if you're interested in joining the World Affairs Council, this is just one of a number of things that uh, that you can benefit from. Well, we have uh, speakers who come to these events, so in addition to uh, a great night out and good fellowship, you get uh, a little bit of a, a lecture along with your uh, your kimchi or whatever uh, whatever it is that night. And we had uh, some fantastic speakers both at the Korean restaurant and and before that at uh, a Turkish place. We don't know what's uh, next, but check the calendar uh, and uh, join our email list on the tnwac.org website, and and you'll be able to keep up. Well, that's it for Global Tennessee today. We had a a great conversation with former Mayor Carl Dean, uh, John Scanapieco, and Logan Monday. And uh, thank you, gentlemen, uh, for coming in and uh, talking with us today. Uh, Thank you very much. And we look forward to uh, having you back at the next uh, Global Tennessee podcast. And you can uh, learn more at tnwac.org and go to soundcloud.com slash tnwac for notes on what we've discussed here today and then some. And uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast while you're there. Uh, That's it for uh, Global Tennessee. I'm Pat Ryan from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Thanks for listening. This has been Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council in cooperation with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The executive producer of Global Tennessee is Patrick Ryan, senior producer Logan Monday, technical advisor Bill Ryan, and the voice of Global Tennessee as well as the Penn Jones Conspiracy, I'm Benjamin Olson. Visit TNWAC. 
www.org slash podcast for more information.